1: you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com.
2: This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high quality performance jigs, spinner buzz buzzbaits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out.
3: Welcome to the Feather and Fur segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. Join me, Brad Herlebuss, as we sit around the campfire with this week's special guest to talk hunting, dogs, traditions, and all things outdoors. Welcome back to another episode of Feather and Fur. I'm your host, Brad Hurlbus. and tonight we have a special guest. I know they're always special, but this one's like truly hits home special to me. We're bringing on tonight my best friend, the guy I grew up hunting with. His father was my mentor. Um, we're at 12th year girls camp coming up, Steve Schaefer. So we're going to bring him in. And it's going to be a great episode because we're going to go through all the crazy history that we have together over these past 11 years. Welcome to the show, Steve.
4: How's it going, fella?
3: It's going good, man. I'm, I'm really pumped up about this episode. Like, I've been looking forward to this one for a while now. Nice. I mean, we have a lot of history. I mean, 12th year girls camp
4: coming up. Yeah, I'm glad I can get on, finally. So.
3: finally you're acting like I like kept you in the closet <laughs> or something. You're like, ah, oh, we'll get to it eventually.
4: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it for a while. So it's, yeah, I'm glad I get to be on now, so...
3: Yeah, yeah, it's going yeah, to be, it. be good. It's going to be good. Like, totally. It'll be like girls camp, only we're not hunting girls and we're not sitting around a fire. But, but I do have a tasty beverage, so cheers, my friend. As do I. I got something in here.
4: So how's got, it going? It's going. We just got back from the Northwoods. Nice. For Fourth of July weekend.
3: A little so. north of our normal stomping ground, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, probably eh, 45 minutes, I bet, from St. Germain,
3: so not too far, but. I'm sure you got out fishing, but the question is, because did you get out and cruise any back roads looking for grouse? I cruised some back roads. That sounds like a country
4: song, actually, know,
3: now. All right, here we go.
4: Yeah, right, but no, <laughs> we got everything up there is a back road. I and mean, right. Getting down to all the boat landings was kind of weird. Like everything is dirt road, gravel roads, and me with a fiberglass sparkly bass boat. You know, I'm cringing when I go down these roads because I'm like, my boat's all full of dust and dirt wiping it off when I get to the launch like, like anyone else cares but me. You know, you
3: can't have a dirty boat hit the water, right? I know, sense.
4: I know, but yeah, every every lake we went to, I'm
3: like, another dirt road.
4: Seriously, but really? yeah, it was what it was. Fishing was, you know, for never being in that area and never fishing any of those lakes up there. Um, you know, I, I think we we did pretty well. Trent had his first encounter with a huge, huge muskie.
2: Really,
3: and he was we- uh. He was pretty stoked about that. Are we talking a follow or was there, a, was there a hit on that? Like, like what kind of encounter no. are we talking here? We were, we were casting a shoreline. Um, everything we were
4: like we were on is it, it's, it's surrounded by a lot of cedar trees and a lot of wood falls in. And since they're cedar, they don't really break down at all. So everything that falls in just kind of stays there. So it's tons and tons of wood, but you're we casting the shoreline and, I kind of looked up towards shore and what I thought was a log ended up starting to move. And it was a pretty big muskie. and I'm nice. going telling Trent, I'm like, you see it up there? Like, can you see it? And he's like, no, I don't see anything. So I gave him my, my costas to put on, he put those on. He's like, Oh now I see it. And I had a popper <laughs> tied on and uh, I go, I'm going to cast that popper over there. We'll, we'll see if we can get it to do anything, you know? And as soon as that bait hit the water, the thing was like, all right, I'm interested. Oh. What's what, so what I had got it, here? Yeah, so I had it up to the boat twice. I mean, I had it all the way along the boat, from the back casting deck to the front casting deck. Just kept popping it alongside the boat, and it eventually swam away. And we saw it again. Got it to follow back in again. You know, its nose was about an inch off that back treble hook, but just couldn't did, get it just, just couldn't, couldn't it uh and it was on bass gear like we weren't bad we weren't we weren't musky right. fishing or nothing so but i'm like dude if i hook this thing like you're you're tangling with it
3: it's all on like, you don't break off yeah like
4: yeah like just don't fall on he's like oh i was gonna be the net man <laughs> and i'm like dude the net we got with is not gonna fit half of the fish in there because it was it was north to 45
3: inches i bet it was big nice that's a solid, that's a solid fish. I know so, you had, I know we both had the musky bug for a long time, so. That,
4: that or- got me, ex- that got me excited. That got me going again. I mean, my, my knees were, my knees were shaking.
3: Oh, it you
4: was were like, there. It was like, yeah, it was like seeing the big buck of deer hunting, you know, like I'm getting the buck fever and my knees are shaking and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I haven't seen a fish that
3: big in quite a while because I haven't musky fished in quite a while, but and even if we do, I mean, there's some decent musky fish down here, but it's not the same as up north. Like, when you're actually chasing them hard in the north woods, it's different.
4: Yeah. I mean, around by me, I got, you know, we got a couple lakes that, that have them. You know, one lake in particular, they they tend to run pretty small, you know, numbers lake. But um, the other lake, they grow pretty big. Um, I've seen a couple nice ones out there, but nothing that ever followed, though. I would just see them. The water is so clear, you just kind of see them swimming around. and. But that kind of got me. that kind of got me fired up. Kind of got me. I'm like, eh, maybe we should go out and cast for a muskie here one of these weekends, and and oh, see if oh. we can get one. I just want to hook one. I want to give it to Trent and just go. Sure. Just, here you go, dude. Don't fall in.
3: Make sure he wears a belt that day, so you can grab him by his pants if you need to.
4: Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. But yeah, it was it was a good weekend. We had fun. Uh, nice. Got to explore some areas that I've. Never been to, a little little different than what I'm used to up there. Um, I mean, from a grow standpoint, a lot a lot more hardwoods up that way. All right. Um, a lot of oak trees, a lot of maples, not so much pine. Um, so a little little bit different, but I don't think there's nearly the the public land up there that there is, um,
3: where we go. Sure, and I mean. I mean, the you're, so Fam- area. You're, you're so familiar with the area we've been going. I mean, you your dad had you up there when you were young. I mean, you you grew up hunting with your dad. I, I always normally ask everyone how they got started, but I guess I completely missed that because I, I just know. But you grew up hunting up north. Your dad was a big hunter, and he took you to deer camp.
4: Yeah, I grew up. Uh, I didn't go to deer camp till I was 10. 10 was the first year I went. That was the cutoff for dad. So when you're ten years old, you can come. I obviously back then you couldn't hunt until you were twelve in Wisconsin. Sure. Um, so, but I, I kind of grew up with him telling me the stories of of deer camp and and the people that were there, and like it always sounded like, I'm like, man, I want to go there someday. Like this is gonna be it's gonna be cool. Dad's gonna take me there, and like it's gonna be awesome and meet all these people that I've heard about for. I want to say years, but, like, I'm 10 years old. So, how, you know, at that time, how many, could, how many I mean, years was three it? three or four,
3: right? Right, I mean. <laughs> right.
4: But I can remember anyway. So, yeah, right. I got to start going when I was 10. Obviously couldn't carry a gun back then. So I was armed with my trusty, uh I believe it was a Daisy wrist rocket. Oh, very nice. Cause I, yeah, because I wanted to feel like I had something, you know. <laughs> bunch of steel was- balls and steel, steel ball bearings in my pocket is, is what I, what I had in there.
3: You went with the heavy loads. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Every now and then dad would make me lob one out there. Like, hey, go shoot him over there in those pines over there. See what comes out. All right. <laughs> like, All right. You know, keep me interested anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got hunting up there. Um, when I was 12, then I, I obviously got my hunter safety and I got to go carry a gun. Um, and when we were 12 or when I was 12, we, uh, That was when my dad first took me up grouse hunting. And at that time we didn't have a dog. We were between dogs then. Okay. When I I grew up, we had a golden retriever. That was not a hunting dog. It was just a house dog. Sure. And when that dog passed, my dad wanted to do an upland dog. He wasn't sure what he was going to get yet, but he's like, we should just go up for a weekend and we'll just go walk around in the woods and you know, I carry my old Stevens 311, 20 gauge side by side that weighed like, you know, at that time, what felt like 13 pounds.
3: <laughs> but it really could have been closer to 15. <clears throat> yeah. It that was, was yeah,
4: I gun. think it was, yeah, it was right around, I think it was right around eight, actually. I, st- I, 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 yeah, I had that gun for quite a while. And I think I weighed it at one point. It was a little, a little under eight, I think. But, um, I was so stoked to go up that weekend though. I'm like, it's going to be awesome. Like grouse hunting in the North woods. Like it's going to be, it's going to be rad. Like, you know, I didn't know anything about grouse hunting. Like I I knew nothing right. about it. I had never gone before. And I remember my dad gave me this, uh, this wool Buffalo plaid, like hunting jacket to wear. Okay. And I'm like, this is big time. Like I'm going to look like all the old time, you know, <laughs> Hunters, whatever else. We get up there and like it's 85 degrees every day. And I'm still wanting to wear this oh, wow. coat because like I want to look the part, you know? Right, right. Just sweating, sweating. And we saw no grouse. We saw nothing really to speak of to shoot at. But did you move any birds? Like did you hear a flush at all or? Nothing. Nothing. No. no just nothing. nothing. <laughs> it was, I recall my dad back then telling me that that was the, uh, the bottom end of the of the population cycle for grouse. Sure. and uh, I believe it because we we saw nothing. But I had fun just walking around in the woods, walking the trails. So that was kind of my first introduction into bird hunting. And then after that, my dad got a English no, I want to say setter, but that's what I have, a Springer Spaniel that he got from a place in Eagle River. Um, and then we started doing a little bit of pheasant hunting back home Okay.
3: on some of the stocked fields. Um, Cause I mean that, I mean, even when like you were 12, that's not nearly long enough ago to get into when Wisconsin still had wild, fe- or like good enough numbers of wild pheasants.
4: No, and, and we time. didn't, we didn't go anywhere that I, I think would have had those. Sure. So by us, it was like Jackson Marsh.
3: Sure. You know. like the popular places where they stock a lot of birds and
4: right and very yeah. close to home, so sure. when i when I got bored quickly, <laughs> we could just make the ten minute drive back home right um so I, I didn't that was kind of my it's really all the upland hunting you know background I had until oh, that would have been like 08 – I kind of, I don't know why. Oh, I know why, but we wanted to, we wanted to, Carrie and I wanted to get a dog. Got it. And I'm like, what? I don't want to just get a dog. Like I want to have a use for it. I want to have something that I can do with it. And looking back to when I was younger, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll get an upland dog and I'll get back into, you know, pheasant hunting or at that point, that was when my parents first had their year round rental up in St. Germain. And I could use it whenever I wanted to. So I'm like, well, oh, I could do some grouse hunting up there too. Like, that would be, you know, something fun to kind of dabble with. And I, I didn't know what kind of mess I was getting myself
3: into. Right. And that was that was right at that was a year after we met because I started working at 2007 or 2006, is when I started at four supply. Right. And when I started at four, I, I had never really done much for waterfall or, or for upland hunting, but. The waterfall bug was but had bit me hard. Like I was right. all about waterfall at that time. And that's you, how we started talking. Right, and you had you had your Vishla
4: at that point, so you had correct, you know, somewhat of a of an upland dog.
3: I did. Um, my goal with him was to have a more of a versatile dog. Uh, I failed him in a couple of ways, and we had a bad fireworks incident, which turned into just gun shy and bird shy, all in one bad training scenario. But it wasn't long after that I got Bandit, too, because Bandit and Ember pretty much grew up together.
4: Yeah, they were, like, what, a year apart? Yeah. Like Bandit was maybe a year older. Yeah. So, yeah, those two had been hunting together since, really, since the beginning. Right. You know, I got a lot of questions over the years about, like, grouse hunting. Like, well, who do you, you know, I tell people who I go with and what kind of dog they have. I'm like, how do you run a pointer and a lab, like, at the same time. I'm like, well, we're not all that close together.
2: Fishing Like a Local
1: isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing Like a Local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are.
2: Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
3: You know, first of all. Seem, right. And they always seem to complement each other very well, too, because I did work really, really hard with Bandit on the whistle set and I could yeah, sit him. He, he had a very good whistle set,
4: so that was helpful. Even if we got pretty close together, that was helpful. If my dog was on point, because I know, I know Bandit wanted to go in there and he, oh, yeah. i mean he wanted to bust it like he was jumping oh. at the bit
3: he had he had a very very high drive i mean but that's there was what... you know there was a lot of times though where my dog
4: would go on point and it might be a runner mm-hmm. where my dog's sitting there like a stone and we're like there's nothing here so you would let the lab go and you know go find it right and we found plenty we found plenty of birds that way
3: we did. I mean, my dog, definitely...
4: my dog would point him. Your dog would go chase down the runner, and as long as we could keep up,
3: pretty yeah, pretty much. Because once he got on a hot bird, it was hard to sometimes keep him in range. I mean, that that was hard, especially when he was younger. But yeah, I remember quite a few times you running through the woods, and I'm hearing like,
4: <laughs> "Is there a bear? Is there a bear coming?" Or like what? Because you're just crashing. I'm, like, I'm just trying to
3: keep up with them. Well, but... I mean, just. Like grouse hunting in general. I mean, I stumbled into that because we went up for our first year, of like waterfowl slash grouse camp. At that point, because it really wasn't, it was more of me going up for waterfowl, and you're like, "Hey, let's hunt some grouse." And I'm like, "Sure, whatever that is." It was funny because I mean, it
4: was it was the opposite for me. I'm like, "Let's go up upland hunting, and we'll kind of waterfowl hunt down the side."
3: Right, but it was that trip that I was like, "Wow!" Like my dog, like Bandit, just excelled at upland hunting. He, especially grouse hunting, the way he could work woods, and it's like he taught to it. Tri- yeah, that that trip, along with his drive, is pretty much what set me up for today for having a far higher drive for grouse and upland hunting than anything else. Yeah, it's yeah. I shot the first bird that your dog flushed. I remember it that
4: came, it, it came my way, and I I shot it, landed out in the I, swamp, and my dog went over there and was like, "I'm not going in there." You know, my my dainty, my dainty English setter that's like all prim and proper. You know, like I'm not going to the water. Like, what is this? You know, and your dog jumped in there and grabbed it. And I'm like, all right, well, we got a pretty good team here anyway. I guess. I mean, my dog did nothing on that particular bird, but
3: that's your dogs had some phenomenal points. So, I mean, your dog has definitely put up her share of birds. There's no doubt about that. She's she's been good. I mean, for what for what she is.
4: And she was my first bird dog. So when I got her, I wasn't all that sure, you know, even what to do. I mean, before I got her, I read some books and I, you know, did some research on, on training and, and, you know, but for the most part, you know, our big stumbling block with her was when we found out that she was born deaf and my hunting kind of took a backseat to like, how am I just going to train this dog around the house? You know, how am I going to obedience train it without it being able to hear? And it was kind of one of those things, like, we just, we just figured it out. We're like, right. you know, it's, it's got to be able to be done. You know, we just substituted vocal commands uh, with, you know, hand signs. And she took to that really well. So that was kind of like my first stumbling block with her was like, I need to ha- I need her to be good around the house. So I need to be able to communicate with her somehow. Right. And then hunting kind of came a little bit later. Her first fall was when I got her that dog truck collar with the vibrate. Now, I don't know what I was thinking that trip, but we went up for, my dad and I went up for opening of grouse. And I just got that collar. I'd never had it on her before. Sure. I don't know what I was. I don't know what I was thinking. I was just going to send her out there and like.
3: Right. She's going to come just, back, right?
4: Yeah, just yeah. She was, well, she'll come back. You go. It's a six month old dog. You know. I can't hear. Right. So before right. we went out, before we went out that first day, I took her. Uh, I took her over to the flowage and I just kind of ran her down the high lines with that collar. And the first time she felt it vibrate, she kind of turned it around and looked at me like. What, what is this? Sure. So I, gave her, I gave her my hand sign, like, come here. And she came back. And from then on, she's like, okay, when it vibrates, I just come find you. Right. So she took to that really well, which made it a lot easier than in the woods. And she was never one to – she's not a big running dog. I like her to be relatively close. You know, if I can't see her, I start to get a little bit nervous, especially if I can't hear her. Right. Um, and with the bell that I have now, it's she's got to get out pretty far before I can't hear her, <laughs> as you know. That, that is a solid bell, I will agree. <laughs> that is a real solid bell. That thing's it's a bit obnoxious when she's close, but it it definitely gives me the peace of mind to right take her out there and and, and I can hear where she is. So, but she's turned
3: out well. I mean, I mean she and and, and part i mean there's definitely some challenges even with hunting her i mean i see it because occasionally she'll get turned around and she mm. won't really necessarily know where we are we can still see her and you'll hit her with a right. little bit of vibrate but she's like starts to run the wrong way yeah a lot of time she'll just stop
4: and she'll kind of like scan her own and look and i have to take my hat off and i gotta wave it right or i gotta i gotta get out of the brush to a clear area where she can see me and then she's like oh okay
3: or she'll run that piece of or the first person she'll see, which sometimes is me. Like, she's like, oh, you're calling me. Wait, yeah, that's not – you're not the yeah, right
4: guy. Uh, here's Brad. <laughs> yeah, then she'll hunt for you for about five minutes. <laughs> I'm standing over there, you know. Oh, it must be nice to have two dogs to hunt over, I guess. Yeah.
3: nice. It's been some good time. Uh, how many times did Bandit hunt for you, though? Let's be real. How many oh, times yeah. did Bandit slide over by you and he's like, oh, hey, hi, friend. I kind of smell yeah. bird over here. I'm going to No, was, Yeah.
4: He would do the same thing. He'd work his way over by me, and then he's like, all right, well, you're here, so. I'll just push a little farther. Yeah. I'll just keep doing my thing over here then, so. It all worked out. I mean, I, I ran, honestly, I, I loved working those two dogs together. I thought they worked very well together. Oh, so did I. It was it was pretty rare that we ever really had issues as far as, as birds went.
3: Agreed. You know, and. I, I think ember being deaf also helped in that because I could whistle sit bandit hard I could do any type of command with him and she never got confused at all because she couldn't hear it
4: Mm-mm. and she was never gun shy so right that's true that's true so i I had, that, I had that going for me I suppose yeah you never had a breaker of the gun no no definitely not so she's been she's been good she get really didn't get good on she didn't get really good on Grouse. And I mean good by my standards, probably not good by other people's standards, but she didn't really get good at the grouse game until she was maybe in her fifth year.
3: It takes a when lot she, of wild bird encounters to make a dog good on grouse. They're not like pheasant. They're not right. like woodcock, which we chase a ton of woodcock. And but that was, grouse? I think
4: that was, I think, maybe what what was throwing her off a bit. Because I mean woodcock, you can crowd like mm-hmm. no one's business. And she had to kind of figure out that grouse just, they weren't going to let you do that. Right. Cause she would always try to get real close to grouse and, um, you know, maybe being deaf. I don't know if she was wanting to like sight point them cause she relies so heavily on her eyesight. Sure. And she was trying to sight point them or whatever, but when she was, yeah, her, about, her, about her fifth year was when she really started pointing grouse well. And I'm like, all right, like now we're, now we're, we're getting good, but then I I couldn't make up any excuses anymore why I wasn't <laughs> shooting birds <laughs> any, anymore. I'm like, well, the dog's oh. doing her, the dog's doing her part now, but I'm uh, yeah, I I, I keep whiffing on these.
3: Our, our flush to bird ratio is extremely poor by oh, like, everybody's standards. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's terrible. But you know, we always plan our
4: we always plan our weeks. You know when we go out in advance and right, you know some years the leaves were thick, other years they were just coming down. Last year we got really burned trying to trying to beat the whole leaf thing, and you know we got we hunted in snow and it never got above freezing.
3: Right, and then it snowed every single day, fresh snow, and the, it was such a drastic change because mm-hmm. I set up on Monday or t- Tuesday that week and I had great hunting great weather and the date that night before you came right and everything changed the temperature dropped and I woke up to four fresh inches of snow and if you go back in my Instagram account like you can see I built a snowman in front of the camper yeah. at grouse camp that was like the, uh, the snowman was there when you rolled up and the bad thing was it got crusty
4: right you know we had that that crusty just gross hard on the paws you know, we had a ton of paw issues, a yep, ton of paw issues that weekend.
3: I want a boot in Pippa, and I didn't bring boots, so we drove around for, I don't know, I felt like hours up there just trying to find some place that had boots for her because she cut her paw so bad that there's just no way I could have kept that yeah. clean. Who would have thought the feed mill would have boots, though? I know. You know what I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm going to call the
4: feed mill on a whim. and They're like, oh, yeah, we've got all kinds of them. They're real nice ones, too. And they and were like, nice, oh. and I still use them. Right, you're like, oh, sweet. There's no way. If I would have put boots on my dog, she would have. No, no, she just sat there and no. I tried boots on her once, and it was like she just. All she did was stand there and try to shake them off. So there was a, there was
3: there's no booting her. But you know, we made the best of it. We had a good time. We we, did, we made some really good food. We had a really nice campsite on the lake. I mean, the background for this that you can't really see it real well is that lake from Grouse Camp because that's pictures from twenty twenty one or twenty twenty Grouse Camp.
4: Yeah, we had it was fun. I mean, we had we had a good time camping. Was a, a different experience, especially being that cold. Right. And it was, and,
3: and this was our first year in the camper because your parents had had a place up north for the previous ten years, and we kind of ended that ten year cycle on that note mm-hmm. and moved on to the camper, which was, and and you're not a big fan. And you don't camp all year where I camp year round, not year round, but I camp all spring, summer and fall.
4: Right. I'm not a camper by any stretch of the imagination, but I didn't mind staying in the, in your camper though. I mean, there's at least there's
3: water, heat,
4: just water, heat, power. I guess, I guess AC, if it ever got that hot, which it certainly didn't that week.
3: But Um, we've hunted when it has. I mean, I enjoyed it
4: though. Yeah. A lot of stuff in the camper. Yeah, right. the
3: I camper mean, fills up quick when you start bringing up upland stuff and dog right. food and and everything's wet. So you're running drying racks. You have drying racks set up to hang yeah. stuff. You've got hooks everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's. It, we may it, do though. It, it was a good time. I mean, we, yeah, we may do. It was good. Had a nice fire. With yeah, once food. once the hairdryer got a coin. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it needed a little help. The wood got a little
4: wet, per se. I was I was just scrolling through my photos on my phone the other day, and I came across that video, and I'm like, oh, yeah. The hairdryer
3: saves the day and starts if the it, fire. I'm half tempted for ne- this season. I mean, if it's really going to be cold again like that, I'm bringing a leaf blower for the fire. I'm not even going to mess around with the hairdryer this time. I'm just going to flat out bring the leaf blower. Oh, yeah. Your, I got divider. a, a
4: battery-operated one, a l- real compact Ryobi one. We could bring that one up, and yeah, that'll start a fire. But hopefully, I mean, we're going to go up earlier this year. So, back to our standard, uh,
3: back to the standard weekend we've always done, which is second weekend of October. And you can always roll the dice on that
4: weekend. It's like, is it going to be eighty degrees? Is it going to be snowing? Right. Is it going to be both? Like, who knows? (laughs) You know, we don't. That that first year, that first year we went. I mean, that was. I, I remember the first time that we went duck hunting. We went out on, on Dog Lake. And I think we broke ice on the way to shore the second I, weekend of October.
3: Well, that second day when we went out and hit the river, we left the ramp in a blizzard. I mean, it was a legitimate blizzard because we only could see about 10 feet in front of us. Yeah. And we were using na- like my old Garmin E-Trax navigation. Like, just the basic map possible because that was well before, like There was topo maps out, so but... I didn't have the money to go buy a $200 chip at that point right. in time for my little e-trek legend 30. So we're navigating up the river and we get set up and ah, it was so cold. I wouldn't let Bandico retrieve that only duck we shot. Cause I had him on shore. Oh, he, uh, the, the, the duck we shot, <laughs> the sawbill, the the McGanzer <laughs> oh, yeah. that, oh,
4: yeah. that I blew myself off the bucket when I shot. Cause it was right above my head.
3: <laughs> hey. It made it all worth it. Me waiting yeah. out to that cold water while the dog is freaking out. Right. Yeah, that was.
4: But you know what? That also got me, that got me going on duck hunting though, too. I mean, I had never, I had no experience waterfowl hunting before, right. before that weekend. I mean, we're, we're shooting at common meganzers and I'm like clapping my hands together. I'm like, Oh, it's dinner for tonight. And you're like, dude, we're not eating those. Like that's <laughs> that's gross. I'm like, what do you, what? Like we're not gonna eat them. He's like, eh, McGanzers? Like, um. I don't
3: know. do you like snail? Do you like? Are you friends seafood? I, I'm
4: like, oh well, like, okay. Is there any like good ducks around to shoot? <laughs> that would taste good. They're they're wrong. All right. And then that's I found the out I'm years old. later that final years years later that I don't. Particularly care for duck to begin with, so sure. Other than woodies and teal. Teal are delicious.
3: Because Woodies and and Teal are delicious.
1: Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top of the line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out midwayusa.com.
3: I I would agree though. I mean, mallard's all right. I mean, I'll eat mallard. All the rest can get thrown in with a goose and be made into sausage. Yeah,
4: Mallards are edible. I guess. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't like any of them a lot. I'll eat. Sure. But. They make tasty you know, sausage,
3: though.
4: You know, Gadwall's about like what Mallard would be. Uh, same with Wigeon. You start getting into the divers. And, mm. you know, I, I, my, my buddy Jason just swears that Bluebills are like the greatest waterfowl fair ever. And I'm like. I, really? Yeah. I'll take, I'll, yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I guess I don't know. I don't, you know. But they say cans are good. You know, the one, the one canvas back that I shot, I, I don't believe that I that I ate. I think I might have. Maybe I did eat it. Now that I'm thinking of it, I don't know. I kept that bird because it was a, just a stud. Sure. You know, of a canvas back. Only canvas back I've ever shot. I haven't shot one since.
3: I've I yet to get a canvas back. Now, granted, I haven't tried to pursue them, and I don't do a lot of diver hunting, but I've yet to have this, the opportunity to get a canvas back.
4: Yeah. I've, I've had opportunities at them since then, but um, where we go up on the bay of Green Bay, it's you really got to kind of hit it right, and you got to be in the right spot. Sure to shoot those. Um, and that's a whole different, that's a whole different. Well, Cause now you're talking of, layout, layout hunting, long line hunting. Yeah. And I, I get to do that. I haven't actually haven't done it in a couple of years. Um, I enjoy doing that, but it, it's not quite. I mean it's fun but in a different way. Like I I love sure. cuddle duck hunting. Um I love shooting mallards. I love calling mallards. So well, the whole thing great, with
3: the whole thing with divers. What's that? I think that, that's probably the diff- I mean that might be the difference is <clears throat> we have some great stories from hanging out in the blinds, doing walkabouts, smoking crappy cigars. Oh freaking cold garbage. coffee garbage cigars <laughs> like the cheapest crap you could find at the gas
4: station cheyennes and
3: oh yeah virginia slim 120s because they were like three bucks for a pack oh god yeah. <laughs> and
4: maybe maybe that's why i don't like diver hunting as much is because there's no calling involved it's kind of like you just let your decoys um you let your decoys do you know a lot of the birds out there, I mean, they're more than willing most days to decoy. So sure. you don't really need to call. I mean, they make diver calls, but I. Jason says, you know, he says you don't need him. He's like, I've never once called at a diver. He's like, and I do better than most guides do out here. And I, I believe him. I mean, he's just as good as any other guy that's out there. He's been doing it long
3: enough. Right. And I mean, his decoys are great. I mean, maybe that's part of it too, though, because I mean, he's hand making and burlapping his own decoys.
4: Yeah, he hand makes all those decoys and they, they ride really well in the water. They don't slap. You know, when you get sure. that chop out there, you don't get that hollow bodied plastic decoy slap. They ride really well. Um, and I think he he has the right ratio of hens to Drake's, which he says is, is kind of important out there. So if you get too much white out there, you're going to be covered up with seagulls.
3: You're letting out insider secrets now. This <clears throat> is but,
4: yeah, whatever. He's not a social media guy. So he probably won't hear any of this. Anymore. You, won't
3: ever, you won't ever see it,
4: but <laughs> no, but I, you know, and when I go out with him, I, I don't know where we're going until basically until we get there. Sure. I don't know if, I don't know why. I don't know if he doesn't tell me because he doesn't want me to let anybody else know, or if he doesn't tell me because he doesn't know.
3: Right. He's not sure what he, she's feeling until he gets until there.
4: Until he gets there. But then, you know, when we get there, he's, he's like, all right, here we go. We're here. Let's, let's, yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go do it. The only time I know where he's going to go is if you go out for squaws, And I haven't done that in quite a few years. Sure, um, and I'm not letting the cat out of the bag on that one because there's enough people that know <laughs> that routine, and I don't need to make it any more public than it already has. Been. But that's a good uh, squaws are a good time, in a in a shooting fish in a barrel kind of a way. Sure, and I, I'm told that it's a bit different now than what it was.
3: I haven't well, gone probably in three years more pressure on the birds. Like you just said, more people aren't standing how to do it. More people <clears throat> aren't getting out there to do it. Even with yeah. COVID, I mean, just the hunter numbers are so much higher and so much money was dumped into hunting. I guarantee right. you, people are like, well, if I can't go out and spend 20 grand at Vegas, I'll go drop $15,000 in duck hunting stuff and let's go on yeah. the day. I mean, no. Yeah. That- Squaws are really no secret
4: in Wisconsin where to go. Sure. Um, And it's an easy payday for guides because they know when the birds are down, they can go out and they can get their clients on
3: a really good shoot. And people people want to shoot squaws. I mean, it's a high valued bird in this area. Well, I mean, if you squaws are kind of like woodcock
4: in the way it was like, if, if you don't go out and squaw hunt, like you would never know that they existed. Sure. They don't come in close enough to shore. To really, I mean, you can't see them. Usually, you're normally you're at least three miles out. You know, anywhere to anywhere to yeah, you might be seven, eight miles out. So. Yeah kind of like woodcock. I mean, if, if you don't walk around in the woods a lot in fall, you don't have a dog, you don't hunt them, like you would never really know that a woodcock
3: existed. Especially with how tight they hold, too. I mean, you can walk right past a woodcock, and if you don't have a dog and if you don't stop, it's not going to move. You're never going to flush that bird.
4: I have had so many times where my dog has pointed woodcock, where I get up there and I'm kicking brush, I'm kicking, you know, whatever. And I'm like, there's nothing here. Right. And as soon as I turn my back, you
3: know, <laughs> off they go, off at Twitter. I'm like, you've got to be like, where, where even were you? I mean, it's it, that, it still amazes me every time I hunt those. And I hunt those quite a bit. I mean, we probably hunt woodcock more than grouse just for the fact we don't have to go up north to do it when the migrations yeah coming.
4: Through. We can do it down by us. I mean, we're kind of in the same, you know, we're a couple hours apart, but, um, yeah, we, we can do it down here pretty easily, at least the second part of the season. Right. When the birds get down. I think there's a small pop at least by me, there's a small population I think that, that stays and breeds. Um but not like when you get not like when you get the flight birds in. Agreed. I mean, if you hit it right here and nobody nobody hunts them by me, I've yet to run into anybody that hunts woodcock down by me. You know, I'll be sitting back there in the woods, and I'll just be pounding away. And I know there's guys up in the pheasant fields that are going, like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> what? Are you trap shooting down there? Like, wh- what's going right. on? Because I've had days where I've shot so poorly that to get my three woodcock, like, I went through a whole box of shells. And I'm just down there, just boom, boom, boom. Right. And then I'm sure these guys in the woodcock field, are, yeah, it's... <laughs> I tell you though, like w- when they're in, they are, man, they're in, they are in. If you hit it if you hit it right, it's it's nothing short of of awesome. I, I, and I've, I agree. I've with had you. my best woodcock hunts down here. You know, not up in the North Woods, not anywhere else. That be, all my best woodcock hunts have been down here.
3: We had a phenomenal stretch at some land we found out when I was living over by you. Just a phenomenal stretch where we were bringing people out there and. We got limits multiple weekends in a row. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't been able to do that again. Just no. saying.
4: Like, no, that was – and the, that area is still – it's it's still good when the birds right. are in. And that's actually an area that, that I think that does hold some resident birds because I've actually ran that – I've ran that before the season. Sure. And I've found a few birds – Back there, it's thick and nasty, and, like, when the leaves are all in the trees, it's just – it's awful. It's absolutely awful. It's
3: muddy. It's just – it's terrible walking. It's, it's its a tangled mess even when the leaves are down. I mean, oh. that's the one thing with woodcock. If it's not thick, you're probably not in the right spot, at least from mm. what I've always found. I mean, like, they're in the thicker – i you get beat up woodcock hunting. Absolutely. It's rough. I took the kids
4: woodcock hunting. I took Trent and Anna last year because they're like, dad, we want to go watch the dog go hunting. Sure. They go, okay, we'll go up to the land just North of my house. They go, we'll, we'll go back there. Usually early season. I normally would find a couple birds back there. The leaves were still up. The brush was still real thick. You know, I'm dressed for it. I've got, Brush pants. I've got things that kind of resist pokes and whatever stuff. else. And they don't. They don't have any of that stuff. So they're walking through there. And they're getting bit by mosquitoes and everything right. else. And they're like, "You do this? <laughs> like this is fun for you?" And I go, "Yeah, most of the time. But if you're not in the thick stuff, if you're not, you know, if your boots aren't getting a little bit wet." if your sleeves aren't getting a little bit torn up, like you're not in the right stuff.
3: That's, that's, that's very true right there. I mean,
4: unfortunately, I mean, I I wish it was, I wish it was a different way, but that's, that's
3: I also think if, if it was that easy, I think more people would do it. I mean, mean, there, there are spots where you can go and it's an easy walk and you will move a bird or two, but like some of the days we've had, I mean, I remember I took, I took out my wife to a spot clothes that I found it here. Same type of cover, real similar to what we always would, would hunt because we both look for the same thing now. And right. it's thick. And she, I put her in some of my old clothes, and she was, it was fine. And we moved well over 30 birds in an hour and a half. Different individual birds, not refluxes. That's, that's a good day. That's the best day I've ever had, I, I'm pretty that's, sure. That's
4: the kind of days that I dream of. As a woodcock hunter, those are the kind of days where you can just go, you know, point to point to point to point to point. You just bang
3: away until and like, you get and that, three. And, like, even she was real jacked up afterwards, and she's not a hunter. She goes, is this what it's always like? I'm like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no this, that's this, only when you hit it right. This might have been a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That's only when you I, hit it right. Because I have right. never – I must have just jumped in when a migratory flight landed there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that had to have been just – that. that was perfect timing. Is what it was, but that's the thing with woodcock
4: hunting. Is like you can you can have one spot one day, that is just it's insane, full of birds, you know. On say like a Saturday, you go back on Sunday. And you you'll flush like four,
3: You're a couple stragglers you know that didn't I mean? jump on that north wind, have- right?
4: It, it's all it's so weather dependent. I mean, out of all the things that that I do, that I that I hunt, whatever. Woodcock are by far the most, I mean, in in a way you can almost predict it, you know, judging by the calendar, judging by the wind direction, what's happening in northern Wisconsin, what's happening in northern Minnesota, Canada. I mean, you can almost predict when it's going to be there. And a lot of years, like,
3: it just never comes. And then – other year, I mean, that's the other hard part about it, because even when you think you're like you're on the migration, you can't scout for it short of putting boots on the ground and spending time in the woods. It's not like with ducks. We can drive around. We can glass marshes. We can glass fields for geese. We can we can put a ton of miles under our wheels and cover a lot of ground and find birds. You can't do that with woodcock. You can't just go drive down logging roads and look in the woods with a pair of binoculars and see them because you can't see them five feet from your shoe.
4: Yeah, the best woodcock hocking spots, I mean, they're always off kind of the beaten path. They're always, I mean, now that I kind of know what I'm looking for, like, I can look off in the distance and I can go. That looks like it might be a little bit woodcocky over there, but I've gotten burned on that before, too, where I've I've been to spots where I thought that, especially up north, you know, you get along a. the creek bottoms and all that where you get all those tag elders and like, it's kind of a little bit soupy down there. Like, oh, it's gotta be woodcock heaven down here. And if you walk through it and it's like, nothing, nothing.
3: That's one thing I've always struggled with, at least on our, like, even though we've st- had done grouse camp over the whole month of October throughout our mm-hmm. history, I feel like we've never been on a good migration of woodcock up there. I don't know if we always miss it or if there's just so much habitat, they spread out more but i don't feel like we've ever gotten into their numbers up there or at least i haven't like we have down by us probably a lot to do with
4: the amount of habitat well same thing with ducks up there Agreed. you know there's just there's so much water there's so much swamp there's so many creeks there's so many back bays and lakes where like there's nothing to really congregate birds they just I,
3: And for, they're how much, out. and for how much water there is, there isn't enough hunting pressure, which I'm okay with. Like I don't want everybody to pile in and be like, oh duck, you know, but there yeah. isn't enough pressure, like where you get you have so much water, they're guaranteed to find water that has no one hunting. Right. So after that first morning flight, if even if they get bumped or pushed or shot at once or twice, they're gonna find ducks that found a safe place because there's just mm-hmm. so much water up there.
4: I'm tell you the one time, the one, the way that one time that we got like really on them on the flowage that year when it was all flooded, when you went up there to sell your mud motor. Yep. And we were I don't so, even know, I don't even know, I don't even know why
3: we brought like you had waiters with. I, I thought maybe we would try shore dock. Like it was a complete whim at the end because no, I remember you had that. Waiters. I'm like, should Did I bring some have... decoys waders? And you're like, yeah, well, yeah. like, oh, just in case, might as Did well. Did we even have decoys? Yeah. I had, like, a dozen sheep, sheep yeah. teal decoys. Because I think we had – what were we doing? I don't know if we were grouse hunting over there, but
4: we had stumbled across, you know, the mother load of ducks. And we're like, great. Like, here we are up here. You just sold a mud motor. We don't have no bolt. We have no anything else, you know, and over – you know, I don't know how many whiskeys we probably had at that point. <laughs> but all of a sudden, you know, the light bulb goes off and ahead and we're like, we got the paddle boat. We got burlap. We got the paddle. Boat. No, we didn't have burlap. We had to go to Walmart. Oh,
3: that's right. And, that's right. And, and
4: Monaco to go buy burlap. And you didn't even own waiters yet.
3: You didn't no, you were, own waiters
4: yet. <laughs> you piled me in the boat. <laughs> and you were like, I'll push this out there. You know, going through all this flooded brush and all this weeds and stuff. And you had pushed us out there and, I don't know, we had snuggled up into, like, these bushes that were all flooded. And you must have put out whatever decoys you brought with, you know. And the teal. Oh, the yeah, teal and there, there so you go. Cool. You you give me your little teal call, you know. <laughs> that you little know. whistle
3: I had. You, all you got to do is just...
4: <laughs> you know, and, I, of course, I drop it in the water right away. <laughs>
3: i don't even know if that lasted a minute before it was gone yeah i, I don't know a how whistle. i dropped that in the water but i'm no, like all whistling. right well you you owe i hear a whistle, whistle.
4: <laughs> and you're like whatever it's five bucks dude don't worry about it but we uh that was a lot of ducks back there that day <sighs> that was a lot of teal i mean a that was a of lot of teal a lot of mallards are back and they're like that's what really kind of i think that a... was the hunt that really got me going on waterfowl where i'm like this is cool
3: like we had a haven't, good hunt haven't birds i don't think we
4: shot much i know you shot a, i think we I shot a couple teal
3: we didn't we didn't like end with some huge limit but we had so much like we were so ill prepared our hide was terrible oh the hide was awful so, i mean you I can mean see the-, the red you can it weren't a bright red
4: <laughs> you know paddle boat you could see it through the burlap like it was an awful height but like somehow we scratched out a couple of ducks but then i was like okay like i like this like i gotta get some waders i gotta get a coat i gotta go buy a call i gotta go buy a lanyard like i'm gonna get a bunch of this stuff so when we come up next year like i'm prepared and we can go do this a little bit more and then the next year, it was like the exact opposite. The flowage was like there was nothing in it. It was all down to like the river channels. Nothing was flooded. It was just like we were making, we made that one day, we made a blind out of driftwood. It was in the a good blind. Of,
3: in the middle of the lake. And if I remember right on the map, we should have been 12 foot underwater.
4: Yeah. We
3: yeah, made a good and, crib.
4: We made a good yeah. crib, is what we made.
3: Agreed. Because it shouldn't kill any ducks out. Oh, did we yeah. get a bluebill out of that? We had that was the year the bluebills were in thick, and it was so hard to set up on them because they wouldn't all they would do is like soar through that river channel and they wouldn't come off the channel. Yeah. And you couldn't get to the channel really well to hunt it.
4: Yeah, that was I think my my beginning of my uh my few year obsession with waterfowl. We're like that was all I wanted to do. That's all I thought about was like I want to shoot ducks. I gotta shoot ducks. Like this is this is something I want to like. I want to be part of this. And yeah, I got like super hardcore into it for a couple of years. Where like it almost took a backseat for a while to to upland hunting because I was just I was so infatuated with like I want to learn how to call. I gotta right. learn, you know, I gotta learn how to identify ducks. I gotta learn all this stuff. And yeah, I, I got real heavy into the the waterfowl for quite a few years.
3: And that's and we kind of split our and we split our camp for a while. I mean, it was a grouse and a duck camp. It was a duck camp and a grouse camp. I mean, it always did both. Sometimes it might have been a little more waterfowl, sometimes it yeah. might've been a little more grouse, but that has evolved now into what I would call is what I would call grouse camp. I mean, because we don't even mess around much with that. Yeah,
4: I mean, we got burned so many years up there that. I mean, we shot some birds up there, but nothing, nothing crazy.
3: No, we never um, had any. Like we've had far better hunts down in our home area than we ever did right. up North. I always enjoyed duck hunting up there, but
4: we just we never got on those great, great spots where, you know. You could scratch out a bunch of birds or or whatever else like we never really we never really got on that honey hole of and i think that kind of kind of wore on us after a while we we're like you know we're kind of spinning our wheels here as far as ducks go like there's plenty of grouse in the woods like let's just go chase those things right <clears throat> and let's save the duck hunting for like back at home
3: and that's another big and that's and that's a big thing too that i looked at because it's like we can hunt ducks back home we can hunt geese back home we can field hunt we can water hunt we can do it ton of different right. type of waterfowl styles. What we can't do back here is grouse hunt because there just no. aren't, there aren't birds here. Well, I take yeah. that back. There was one spring fishing trip. You and I both stopped dead in our tracks in the canoe. And we were like, mm-hmm. did we just hear a drumming grouse down here? <laughs> it was either a drumming grouse or someone starting up a John Deere tractor. One of the two. <laughs> I'm pretty sure judging we where we are. I you. don't think it was a tractor. <laughs> yeah. But short of one drummer, one drummer in spring. I've mm-hmm. never seen or heard a grouse down here ever. That was
4: the one and only time that I've ever I've ever heard one down here.
3: Must we did have hear this one lost We him twice because when we went back or, back a week or two later, we heard him again. If I remember right, he was looking for love that time of year. He's you know he probably should start flying north. He probably I hope he did because otherwise he goes and finds a lady down there. Probably pretty rough. Probably pretty
4: rough down there, but yeah, I I save the duck hunting for down here and I don't do a lot of it down here anymore. I kind of pick and choose my times when I, when I go same with, same with goose hunting. Sure. You know, cause we were, we were hot and heavy on early goose for a couple
3: of years. Oh, yeah, enclosed trailer, um, lots of full bodies, not being able to drive yeah. in the fields and humping it back and forth. And waterfall hunting, yeah. that's why we probably upland hunt, because waterfall hunting is just a lot of work. It's a yeah, lot of work and it's – around, around me, it changed a
4: lot. Like, a lot more people got into it, and it it's gotten to be a lot like – you know, it's kind of like combat hunting, you know? Sure, Around by me, I mean, especially if you, especially if you field hunt. Around here, early goose. Um, like there's, there's three kinds of landowners around here. There's the people that that save it for friends and family, and there's the people that don't let anybody on, and there's the people that will let anybody on. Um, right. And I think everybody knows who has the farms that let everybody on. And it's kind of the point now where, like, and I don't condone it, but it's kind of like if you know what that farm is, you don't really even have to ask permission; you can just go.
3: Sure, because they're not even know. They've given
4: permission. Yeah, they they've given permission to thirty other groups by now. They have
3: no idea. I have no idea. I don't don't condone trespassing on anybody's land (laughs) by any means. I won't, I, you know, I won't do it. You know, right.
4: I, I want to go back every year. I mean, even where I deer hunt, like he's a good friend of mine. Like I ask him every single year, can I still hunt back behind your house? Sure. It's like, yeah. Like you, dude, you don't have to ask. It's like, just, it, it's right. yours. You just do. go.
3: But you do have to ask. But I ask every Is year. That,
4: so like, right. I'm not going to be that guy that like goes out into somebody's field that I don't have permission for. But
3: and aside from I know, that, I know, I, mean, I know what you're saying, though, because they give permission to so many people that they, you wouldn't even have to ask because they're not going to they have no idea who's all got right. permission anymore. And those are the fields like
4: even if you get permission for them and you want to hunt them. There's there's a lot of young kids. My neighbor's kid is, is one of them and his group of guys that he hunts with. They have no problem. Basically, drawing straws and going, You're sleeping in the field tonight. Sure. So that we have it for the morning. And somebody will park the truck there and they'll sleep there all night. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that oh, game. I'm
3: Never mind. That's how that's if you're that into like props off to you for putting that kind of time and that type of dedication in. I'm not if, if, it. That's, if that's your jam. Do it. Have at it. Like, you're a better man
4: than I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not sleeping in the fields for early season geese. Like, I'm just,
3: I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not sleeping overnight (coughs) for for the duck opener, to be honest. I mean, I enjoy duck hunting, but I'm not going, I'm not sleeping overnight in the marsh. Because I remember when I used to work by Horicon Marsh, that Friday before the opener, you would see boat after boat after boat before I'd get off of work driving to the marsh. And I'm like, y'all are nuts. Y'all are seriously nuts. Like, first of all, there's mosquitoes out there that can carry you away, right? Like, like, are you even going to be in your boat when you wake up in the morning? But even past that, I mean, how comfortable can it really be sleeping in a boat in the marsh?
4: It's my neighbor's two doors down to it. They will do it. They're, I mean, but they're, they're, they're big into it. There, that's waterfall is their thing, and they're, they they right. will if they have a spot they want to go to, they're like we have no problem getting here at five o'clock the night before, and they'll I, sleep I in their skiffs, and they're like we'll have snakes that come in the boat with us, and we just pick them up and throw them out, and I'm like no, no,
3: yeah, no thanks, <sighs> oh so. I'm out, yeah not not with the snakes. I mean if I had an otter come in and cuddle up with me in the middle of the night, I'd probably be okay with that river otter, probably be a little Cutter. too playful. Probably a little too playful, though. Them things seem pretty mean. They're really playful when they're in the water.
4: Well, yeah, they're just clowning around out there. But yeah, I mean, goose hunting definitely changed around here. It's it's a lot a lot of young guys. There appear to be a lot of go getters out there that are let's get there super early and sure and uh, all right if that's your thing. I mean, I got enough. I got a couple properties that I, you know me and my buddy Jason have enough. We're the only people that can hunt them or maybe like a few people that can hunt them. So we kind of have a little bit of option there as to, uh, we don't have to get there. We're not hunting those community spots where everybody has permission for like, we'll just, you guys, you can, you can have that, like, right. Have at it, you know, but at the same time, like if you're up, if you're upwind of them, like a lot of times you have to compete with those kids. Sure. And like my neighbor's kid, like everybody pooled in and they were like, okay, everybody buy three dozen dive bomb silhouettes. Okay.
3: We'd multiply that by six kids. And like, you got a hell of a spread. Right. Well, that's a lot of decoys. And I'm a firm believer that silhouette, you put enough silhouettes out there, they'll do just as good as full bodies.
4: Yeah. And now they're, they're a half mile from you. Right, you, you know, you're sitting out there with your three dozen full bodies, maybe right. a and couple got- floaters out on the on the flooded, you know, field, and you're like, who is hunting over there? Like they, those guys are just killing it. Well, and I get home and I got my my neighbor's kid smiling at me from the driveway, going, "Yeah, dude, we lit him up today. Like they were doing it." <laughs> and I'm like, whatever. That was you guys banging away, huh? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, but, oh. when
3: but, but when they're putting out 160 yeah. decoys in early season.
4: Yeah, I'm going, oh, I'm getting burned by, like, 15-year-old kids here. I'm like, this,
3: this is <laughs> pathetic. Can't do it. Come on. But, see, yeah. that was when you and I chased it hard as when we were younger, though. And I'm not saying we're too old to do it. I'm and it wasn't
4: that- nearly it wasn't nearly as popular around here as it is now. Agreed. A lot but- more people have gotten into it, and they're all part of, like, a, you know, They all have an Instagram. as like a a goose crew, or you know, we're the duck shaggers, or like some kind of crap like that. You know, they're just everybody's got to be part of a crew apparently when you when you when you goose hunt. Is that what I'm missing? Do I not have a good
3: goose crew? I mean, I I just just
4: have I have a little bit. I have a little bit of disdain for (laughs) for this. I don't know. Waterfowl hunters are kind of a different breed. Like I don't like to lump myself in with, with those people, but we're all, I think when it comes to waterfowl, we're all very competitive. I would agree with that. And, you know, I don't know who I heard say it a while back, but like somebody said, like, you know, nobody hates a duck hunter more than a duck hunter.
1: Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment,
4: Whatever, but like, as soon as he hit the marsh, he hit the field. Like, no, like, what, what are you guys doing over there? I you mean, know? I can
3: I can only think of maybe one time. One time I think I ever hunted with someone I didn't know. And I think maybe I remember you telling me once or twice. Maybe you did at a little at a little freshwater spring we knew about, mm-hmm. where you ran into a random guy and you hunted together. But for the most part, it's he was it, yeah he was a cool dude.
4: He was a cool dude. His, his yellow lab rock star best waterfowl dog I've, I've ever seen. Just amazing. But he was, yeah, he was a cool guy. And the I think water,
3: that's
4: waterfowl hunters are, yeah. I mean, they're kind of a different breed,
3: you know, they're not like they're, the,
4: they're, they're territorial. Like,
3: they're territorial. I'm yeah, territorial. I mean, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not my land, but if right. I get there first, I don't want you to set up a hundred yards up downwind of me.
4: All right. Even though it's public land, it's like, okay. You know, look, I, I'm, I, I I play the game, you know. I'm probably I'm probably at times just as bad as other people. Like I'll, sure. I have I have no problem, you know. If if ducks are circling another guys spread, and I know they're not interested, like I'll I'll call them. Oh right, I'm not like oh they're not your ducks. Like if I can call them off of your decoys, like they weren't yours. Agreed. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, they've been circling <laughs> you for five minutes now. Like, I'm calling. I'm sorry. I'm going to bring them over by me, and I'm going to see if I can land them. Sure. You know, a lot of people might think that that's shady, but that's,
3: you know, in a way, like, that's public hunting. That is public hunting. I mean, that comes, I no. mean, to the skill that gets the victor with the skill. Right. I mean, to, with the one with the skill gets the glory. I mean. Right. If and I'll. I, I don't um, call – I mean, if someone is working ducks, I'll give them a chance. I mean, I'll, uh, like, yeah, I, I I'll, I'll sit well. back. I'll, I'll watch the show for a few minutes. But, I mean, if those ducks won't commit and they kind of peel off and kind of come back, I mean, once those ducks show they're not interested, I'm oh, going yeah. oh, I'm I'm to throw a little, at, throw a little oh. love at them and be like, hey, oh. come check me out.
4: I'm – yeah, I'm in. I'm in at that point. Like, yeah, I'll give you a shot at them, but if they're not doing it, like, I'm, yeah, I, I, I'm I calling, and I call loud, and I call aggressive, and a lot of times I can pull those birds, and, you know, I'm sure people get salty about that,
3: but, I'm like, sorry, like, they they weren't. Right. I gave you the chance. You can admit them to commit. Right. I mean, they if they circle three or four times, in my opinion, it's very rare, like, after the third time, they're going to they land. Would... If they're circling that much, like you're not, you're not going to land them. Right. There's something wrong. Like, Either they don't yeah. like the decoys, they don't like the hand hide. Something. But even if you yeah. watch ducks in the wild, like you can watch ducks on the water with no hunters around, you'll watch ducks circle three or four times and peel off. It's like they're just like scouting it. Like right. they're like, what's down there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like this yeah. bar. Let's go somewhere else. That's kind of that's yeah. Exactly I'll I'll about. give people a shot at him, but. After
4: a while, I'm like, all right, well, I'm I'm gonna pipe up and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go here and and see where, you know, if I can bring them over by us and I can do something with them, like that's fine. But like, God, there's, there's an awful lot of really really bad callers out there that like
3: <laughs> ducks are flying, and I'm oh, like, it's...
4: what are you what?
2: Like, you, you always
3: got the you, one guy in the marsh, like we always call him the kazoo. You
2: yeah, always got like, a guy
3: in a kazoo. Are you? Are you? Uh,
4: I, I I don't know. I mean, it took me quite a few years to learn how to to call. It's ducks, it's like any other. It's know, a musical instrument. Pretty well. But like, as far as ducks call, you know, calling ducks. It's one thing to know how to blow a duck call. And to make duck like sounds, but it's another thing to know how to call ducks, how to talk to them and how to go, oh, Hey, dude, I'm over here. There's food. Like come, hang come out. On over here. Right, come chill. A lot of people are like, well, I, I just make a bunch of like duck like sounds and and just kind of let the chips fall, you know, where they may. Right. Where I'm a bit more particular about my duck calling. You know, a lot of people are they just you gotta you gotta figure out and, and it all comes down to like time in the field. Like you have to learn how to read ducks and adjust your calling accordingly.
3: Agreed. Agreed. And I will admit like you are a better duck caller than I am. Because I I I had a big focus on geese for a long time and I can Read geese pretty well and call at them. Yeah, and you're a far better goose caller than I am. That's why it works good when we hunt together. But like, when it comes to ducks, I mean, like, you can read ducks in ways that I don't even see. Like, just the way you can, like, read, like, and call at some of them. Like, damn, like, where, where, where'd that even come from? Like, like I, just, how'd you see that, like, flicker of their ring or whatever? I
4: don't know. Like, I, I guess I just pay attention to, you know, what they're doing, and I. I, I, I've never been a quiet caller, Sure, you know, unless, unless ducks are super close, you know, when they're really close, I, I'm not, I'm not on it super hard, but I blow a call that, yeah, I, I blow the kind of call that if they're out 500 yards, like I want to be heard. I want them to hear me, you know, so I blow, I, I blow a very big, a big open call but it's also the kind of call that I can choke down so that when they're circling and they're 40 yards out I can choke it down and I can make it super whiny I can make it real squealy I can make these little tiny feed clocks and these little real subtle things that you know aren't going to scare birds off you know in my opinion like once you start calling it ducks you know we always say like well everybody says like, you know, you you call it tips and tails, you know, wing tips right. and, and tails. But like if ducks are for me, if, if ducks are coming in, like if, if I don't see them and they're just coming in on a string. I'm not calling. To, like they're not even gonna pass. Like I, I won't I I won't say anything. Like that's like right. done. That's but like as soon if, as I I'm- as soon as I start calling, I won't shut up really until they're above me because I don't want sure. to give away in my location. So we've had plenty of times field hunting, especially, but like you see ducks, they're 300 yards out and you're like, Oh, like they're doing it. Like they're coming, like they're committed. Like right. you can just tell, like they're interested, they, they're going to do it. If they're coming in straight in, like I, I won't see anything. I won't, I won't even do I not even a feed call, like nothing. I'll just, okay. If they come offline for some reason, they get a little bit squirrely. Like, yeah, I might hit him with like a couple of feed clucks or something like that. Sure. And try to get them, you know, back online. But like, I'm an aggressive enough caller where like once I start calling, it's, it's probably unnatural for me to just like, and zip my lip. Sure. So I figure like I've always got to keep something going. Like it might be just like some really soft feed clocks or like something like that, that just kind of keeps them going. Okay. Like, yeah, they really are alive down there. You know, that there's, so, but yeah, it, it all comes with experience. You just got to read them and just, you know, if, if I got a group of ducks that are coming in or that are, that are out of ways and they're flying, you know, across from me. And like, if, if I hit them with like a, a greeting call and they flare, like, Oh, okay. Like <laughs> you have to, you, you got to realize, like you have to know when they didn't like what you
3: were blowing. Right. And every day can be different. You could have one day where ducks want loud, Absolutely. And, aggressive, loud and aggressive calling and, They want to hear that feed call to get their interest and be like, okay, that sounds. And there's other days you'll hit ducks with just like a comeback call and they'll be like, uh uh, nope, that, Mm -hmm. no, no, I don't want anything. Like, no, thank you.
4: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I've had, I've had every kind of day, days that they didn't want you to do anything. And there's been days that they wanted just like the loudest, snottiest kind of junk you could throw at them, and they were just like eating it up like oh yeah like you guys are down there feeding on corn like okay you know <laughs> we'll come down and we'll, we'll get down on some of that but you just gotta I don't know I guess, like you said every day is different you just gotta read uh-huh. them and figure out figure out what they want and uh, that's what I love about mallard hunting though is is the calling aspect of the I love calling I love duck calls in general. Like I love blowing other people's calls, different kinds of calls. Like I love, right. I've gone through so many of them.
3: You were trading, like you were on a bunch of different <clears throat> groups and trading calls yeah. like, for calls and calls. As and, I,
4: as I got to be a better caller and as I, as my calling progressed, you know, it's really hard to like tell, you know, somebody that's a new duck hunter to, uh, you know, okay. You know, go by go by this call, or you know, buy this one, or you know, like you're gonna go through this progression of, you know, learning how to run a call, learning what you want in a call, learning what's your calling style, what's your hunting style, and like you're gonna you're you're gonna go through. I think that's a natural progression of like a duck call. It's like you're just gonna go through. Okay, like I've mastered this one, but it's not as loud as I want like i need something louder and then you get something louder and then and then you just
3: you might not like the tone or it's not raspy
4: enough yeah, or it like doesn't
3: you have just, that low end throatiness,
4: you, right i i i've had so many calls that i've bought and i'm like oh yeah like this is the one like this is the one that i'm going to i'm going to have this one for a while and then i get to a point where i'm like it's just not as loud as i want it to be like i just sure you know and i eventually I went to, actually I broke one of my calls. It was a Cedar, it was a Cedar call. I forget. I don't even remember who made it. It was kind of a custom deal. And I liked that call, but it wasn't quite as loud as I wanted it to. And it was Cedar and it wasn't stabilized and it broke. Sure. I'm like, okay. So I went to Cabela's and I'm like, I'm going to blow every duck call they have (laughs) in this case. And i blew everyone that they had half of them i hated half of them I'm like sure. no no like this is not give doing what i want to do
3: give it a, give it an order to and like uh, right
4: nope and some of them i liked but they were like oh, it's not getting the volume out of them and i i settled on an rnt daisy cutter which was it's a very very common call i mean a lot of people sure. use that call um No, maybe not up here maybe more down south they do but uh the guy that was giving me all the calls he goes you know i've heard a lot of people call ducks when they're here trying duck calls he goes not many people can run that call that you're blowing like it takes a lot of air it's loud it takes a lot to kind of pinch it off and make those really snotty whiny sure you know short little clucks and stuff that i like to make and he's like dude, you can blow that thing. And I'm like, I'm buying this. That's (laughs) what I, kind of what I settled on. And that's what I've had for the last probably three or four years. And I I I haven't had a, you know, really an inkling to to change what I've been, what I've been blowing. I mean, it kind of, it's nice. It gets loud. I can choke it down really good. And I can get those really low notes. You know, if birds are circling 30 yards out, I can really pinch it off. And I can. I can make some really nice, you know, ducky sounds down low. And it's just, I, I don't know, I like it. It fits my calling style anyway,
3: but... And it might not uh, be everyone's calling style because everyone has is slightly unique. No, and that's and the, that's the part part thing bottom. about...
4: Yeah, right. that's the thing about duck calls is you, you got to find what works for you. And, you know, if I could give like any beginner... And I went about it the wrong way. I didn't know any better. But if I could give anybody you know, better information maybe than, than I had, like, don't, don't get sucked into like the double read trap of like, Oh, it makes the ducky sounds for you. You know, like it's kind of, I've blown a lot of double reads. Once I really learned how to blow a duck call, I've blown a lot of double reads that were really nice calls. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, there's a lot of nice double read calls out there, but it's a bit of a crutch in a way those two reeds are kind of doing things for you that you need to kind of learn on your on your own sure you can develop a lot of bad habits
1: midway usa brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices if you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com
4: With some of those calls. I won't say all of them, but some of those calls you can develop some bad habits with. Um, yeah, my advice to like people that are just getting into it, like get a single read of some sort and like learn the mechanics.
3: Sure. Learn like calling. the back, you learn the hand placement, learn the, the like your mouth, like even just how much air chamber, like how big you make your mouth. I mean, there's so much more to it yeah. than just blowing I had to, the air through the call. I
4: had to unlearn a lot of things when I went to a single read. Like I need to, yeah, I just had to change things. Right. You know, things that if I would have started that way, like, okay, that, that would have been, you know, but.
3: And that's, like, I, I didn't make that mistake with goose calls because I'm like, eh, I'm going to go right to a short barreled, short, I'm going to go right to a short barreled single read goose call. Like, just right to it. No goose float. We're going right like, to it. I can't blow a long read. I, <laughs> yeah. I No. I, I just, I don't know how people, I don't know. When
4: people blow those things. I can't do it. But there's also some short reads that uh my brother-in-law Chad, he had his one buddy that was selling a you know, what was that a Tim Grounds, you know, championship yep. call, you know, whatever like I could do nothing with that call. You couldn't blow it, Chad couldn't call it like like nobody could blow that call
3: other than Dave. Yeah, Dave I, I don't blow,
4: Dave could blow like a
3: champ. And I don't but, know if he just had that thing tuned really weird.
4: I tried messing with it and I couldn't, I can could never figure it out. I don't know. It was,
3: it just wasn't, I, it, it wasn't my style. Cause I have my claws definitely on the higher volume of air side, more like towards the competition side. I mean, I don't like an easy breaking. <clears throat> I, I I hate it. I can't stand it. I need to have some air I pressure. Feel I want that reed to break when I want it to break. I feel the same way. I feel the
4: same way about my duck calls as I do my goose calls. Like, I, I like blowing a lot of air. I I like I, I like that kind of call. But, like, that Tim Grounds, I could not make that thing run. Dave can make it sing. It, he was just – he'd blow it and geese would just maple leaf out <laughs> of the sky. And, and it was just like, oh, okay. We'd get on it we'd be like, uh, uh, what what is this thing like how do you blow this i don't understand but different strokes i guess i don't know
3: but right. and that doesn't even bring up the fact of how you can tune calls like, like you could make a show up we could make a show just about tuning calls and different styles of calling like that's a show in itself i've tuned i've tuned a couple people's duck calls
4: where they've been like you know, it's just not really like as raspy as I want it to be. And I've got a lot of I've got a lot of mylar and and cork around here where I'll I'll take someone's call and I'll mess with it. You know, I never get I never file on the tone board if I don't have to. You know, I'll start with a with a long read and I'll try to get the tone right and I'll try to dog ear it, you know, just right. A lot of times people like, they don't realize that you need to change your cork every now and then. Like you can't really change your, yeah. On a J frame duck call, you you can't change your, your cork, you know, too often. Sure. So a lot of people blow it, they'll blow it for years and years and years. And it just everything gets sloppy. And they're like, it just doesn't sound like it used to, you know, I'll grab it and I'll, I'll cut a reed for it and I'll put up a new piece of cork in it and I'll blow it and I'll, dog ear it and I'll try to make it sound like what I like a duck call to sound like. Look at it back. like, oh man, like what'd you do? I'm like, I didn't really do a whole lot of anything. Like I kind of put the reeds side by side and like they're basically the same. I just changed out the cork. Sure. You know, that tight cork in there a lot of times makes all the difference. Well, that reed needs to vibrate. And if that cork is loose, you're not going to get the vibration you used to. Right. You're going to get that really deep tone to it. You're not going to get your nice crisp, you know, hail calls and, and whatever else. So I like messing with that sort of thing though. I think that's fun. People give you your
3: calls like here, tell them, you know, do something with this. Sure. All right. I still, I'll still tear my goose calls apart. I mean, replace reads, tweak them, change them. Every year my calling style slightly changes or I want it to sound slightly different or, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's not even that I want it to sound slightly different. Maybe I'm still just trying to chase that perfect tone every year. I agree. I agree. There's always like,
4: yeah, I, I th- th- this could be better. Somehow, even though I've landed like numerous geese with this or ducks or whatever, like this is, it could be better. Right. You know, that's what, that, that's always what made me like change calls and like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm a cut down kind of guy. You know, I, I went the cut down route for a while and I was blowing up, you know, rolling thunder you know, something or other kind of cut down. And then I I realized after a while, I'm like, this this isn't, this isn't me. It's not my, certain people can blow cut downs. Like people, if you can blow, if you can blow a cut down, like, well, like they are ducky, like they're super ducky. But if you can't blow them like that, they just, they don't sound right. And like, as much as I, as much as I wish I was a cut down guy, like I'm, I'm not like, I'm just, sure. I'm not, I'm a single read J frame. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's just like, that's uh, your that's, jam right there. That's, that's what yeah, you got. Like, right I, on. I, I wish it was, I wish it was different, but it's, it's not.
3: And you I, I and mean, you're a good caller. I mean, what you have working for you works. I mean, I've seen it, I've heard it. I mean, when we're duck hunting, I'll, I'll throw in a couple of quacks and some feeding chuck, chuckle if it's needed, but for the most part, I mean, I just shut up and let you do the work. I mean, you're 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 a pretty dang good caller, man. <laughs> land tried. some birds. You land some birds. You get all squeaky and snorty. Yeah, we land a few every now and then, but.
4: Well. Yeah, man. What do you think? What do you think, pal?
3: I think it's been a great show.
4: I think I'm at, probably... I'm at I'm at four percent on my phone here, so Ooh, I'm about ready
3: to call her quits here we're cutting her close that's all right we're an hour and 20 minutes in so it, it, it's time oh god we, 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 went, we went way past we'll have to bring you back on because we, well we'll just bring it back we'll do something live for grouse hunting there, we, there uh, we go we'll leave we'll we'll just do something live at grouse camp yeah. or on the fire on a saturday night or something so but anyway i want you to
4: hear more we'll we'll do more of these i, I don't yeah. mind yeah it's a good time I'm, I'm always up to hunt you know talk hunting or, or fishing or anything outdoors okay like yeah
3: Careful, you're, you might get yourself wrapped into a co-host position. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy. What did I? What did I start here? I well, know. we're, we're going to shut her down before your phone dies. Everyone, thanks again for joining t- today tonight. Um, until next time, peace.